Hi, I'm Robin Miller, host of Miller Chat. Today we're going to do something different and I'm going to turn it over to Paula Dentoncourt. Okay, so I'm interviewing Robin today on women, girls, and baseball um, and the history of it. And Robin wrote a beautiful book on uh, girls' dream to play little league with the boys, breaking the barriers. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of baseball and girls and women and how far we've come, where did we start. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it probably goes way back to the 1800s, I, I believe, but when did it, you know, you're going to talk about it, but when did it come into leagues and professional baseball and all that? So I'm looking forward to interviewing Robin today. So, um, you know, I didn't know a lot about this. Um, He's in the line. You know, so I, I think it's going to be very fascinating to to learn about how far we've come as women and, and girls and mm -hmm. role models and um, and playing with the boys in baseball. So playing with the big boys. Yes, big boys. <laughs> so um, before we talk about your book, Robin, do share about um, girls and women and the history of baseball. Where did it start? Like, was it the 1800s? Um, you tell us. What's... Well, I appreciate this opportunity to talk about girls and women in baseball. Like I said, I, I played, but in the 1970s, I didn't have the luxury or the role modeling of girls or women who played. Right. Uh, the history that I'm sharing today, I just learned in the last few years about it because now there's more of a resurgence for girls and women in baseball and Little League. So what I did, I, I did some research on girls, women in baseball. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm only going to speak from the United States uh, because there's just so much other history we could share, but it won't. In the mm -hmm. time we have, we won't be able to do that. I found about um, the Bloomer Girls, and somebody wrote a book about the Bloomer Girls, and they talked about, well, before they even had the Bloomer Girls, um, this controversy today about baseball, it's like, who really discovered it? Was it Abner Doubleday, mm -hmm. or was it somebody else? So that came about where men started playing their baseball games, mm -hmm. 1860s and so on. And then what happened from there, um, they started to have um, a group of girls and women just play for the baseball owners. Mm -hmm. They weren't technically bloomer girls yet. They were entertainers. Mm -hmm. And basically, like advertisement when it comes to baseball and entertainment, you can use your imagination that many people went to game, not, maybe not to watch the girls and maybe too, but they were there to, to you know, to see what they look like. <laughs> Almost like a, a cheerleader type thing. Yeah. Okay. So they were paid mm -hmm. to be entertainers. I don't believe what I read that their goal really was to promote um, women in baseball. It was more mm -hmm. of an entertainment. And then later on in the late 1860s, 70s, we had bloomer girls uh, play where they wore these bloomers, these big, look like balloons on their legs. Right, yeah, right? I remember those. Yeah. Right, petticoats, and mm -hmm. I think bloomers came, right? Yeah. And they had where they, they weren't really organized as a league, but it was a bunch of girls and women who went from like town to town to play, mm -hmm. which I thought that was quite interesting. And um, they were paid, and they had, they had to have one man on the team playing. Oh, wow. And what I learned recently is Roger Hornsby, a famous baseball player, was on one of the teams. Mm, interesting. So I, I thought that was quite interesting. And um, so I wanted to just share that about mm -hmm. that. But let's note 
uh, people out there is that when girls and women were playing baseball back then, um, they had to still prove they were feminine. Oh, okay. Got you. They had to be perceived and believed by societal expectations that they were girls and women. Mm-hmm. Traditional. Okay. Mm-hmm. A little different today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. girls and women had expectations, and note wasn't for the men and boys who played. They had to be the good girls. Mm-hmm. Okay. What happened in the early 1920s, 30s, it stopped playing. The bloomers, eventually the bloomer girls got regular uniforms. Okay. But interest waned. Things changed. World War II came about. And the men of baseball went to fight overseas. And there was oh. no more baseball. He saw the league of her own. What happened? Mm. So you had um, girls, women, um, uh, were recruited. The uh, baseball commissioner at that time wanted to have baseball, some mm-hmm. remote baseball. So from 1943, it started the American Girl, imagine, American Girl Professional Association. Why not women, right? Right. And girls and women um, had to show their feminine side by wearing those short skirts. And they had to live in a big house with a chaperone. And they mm-hmm. had to be good girls, mm-hmm. good women. Remember the movie, League of Own? Mm-hmm. Feminine proper. Yeah. Right? But as we all know from baseball history, the famous baseball players of Babe Ruth and, and other players back then, they were able to do whatever they wanted. Right. Yeah. You know? No sin mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. But girls were, uh, and women were carefully washed over. And of course they rode on buses from town to town. They started off with four teams, like the Rockford Peaches in Chicago, and then they ended up going up to ten teams. Oh, wow. Yeah. World War II ended, and then it... Um, People still went to the game, but 1954, it just stopped. Okay. People went back to playing. Now, before I go on um, further, I just wanted to say that um, they had African American League mm-hmm. back then too, before Jackie Robinson integrated 1948. And um, we, I wanted to give credit to the famous women, mm-hmm. you know, who played back then, yeah, um, because I think their credit is finally due. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about uh, Ephra Mainly was the first African-American to own a team, oh, wow. the African-American team. She yeah. was the f- owner, and she's the first African-American woman to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Actually, there's a book about her. This is like the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, Mammy Peanut Johnson, the only woman to ever pitch in the uh, African-American League. And then what I learned recently was Toni St- uh, Stone. Um, she replaced Hank Garen in the 1950s when Hank Garen got recruited to play Major League Baseball. I was going to say what year, so it was in the 1950s. 1950s. Okay. She was 1950s. Yep. Ephraim Mainly was in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And um, Tony Stone was called a, uh, they called her like a tomboy while she was growing up. Yeah. So it's really nice to give credit where it's due. Right, yeah. About yeah. African-American women where they um, played, because again, I didn't know any of this growing up. I kn- don't believe we were taught this in no. history. I was taught African-American right? history, yeah. but I didn't learn about women, African-American women playing baseball. No. I knew about Jackie I, Robinson. I didn't know any of this. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty interesting, yeah. the history of that. To be good role models, too. Now, before I move ahead, I don't kid you that it probably wasn't easy for these women and girls to play baseball right. because they had to be prim and proper, but they probably were you know, jeered, hooted, who knows what, mm-hmm. flirted with, mm-hmm. um, people harassed. Went harassed, yeah, and they mm-hmm. had to take it. You had to take it. 
Mm-hmm. There was no sexual harassment laws back then. No. No. So just 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 keep that in mind, okay? And how it took a long time for this to be noticed in 2000, and then FMLA, I believe, about 10 years ago, or so mm-hmm. finally got into Hall of Fame. Here we're talking what 70 years later. That's yeah, incredible. So, yeah. So moving forward to the 1950s, there was the Tubby Rule. And actually, this uh, woman, um, um, oh, I forgot her name. Um, Is it K? K? Um, yes, K. K. K was yeah. her first name. Yes. She um, was one of the first women to play, but she dressed up as a boy in Little League in the 1950s. So, yeah, so she used the name Tubby, right? Yes. Okay. That was her nickname. Yeah. Yes, that was her nickname. And she may believe she was a boy when she played in the 1950s. And then the second year, she said she was a girl, and then they kicked her out. Mm. And again, I just learned this recently, and it's now in the Little League uh, Museum, the history of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about the Tubby Rule. The Tubby Rule was that no girls ought to play in Little League. That was it. Mm-hmm. No ifs, ands, or buts. So I have happy to say that over the years, she was able to throw out the first pitch at Major League Baseball games. Okay, so it was Major League Baseball. I know, yes. Yeah, so. In the 1990s or so. Here we are, again, 40 years later. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah, amazing. Absolutely amazing. She said she was harassed, too, when they found out she was a girl. Mm. But somehow the boys, I guess, maybe, maybe not, didn't notice. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. And I think Disney now has her rights, copyrights, to yeah. do the movie. So that would be an interesting movie to that see. That will be an interesting movie. Yeah. To see. And then moving right along, we move along to the 1970s. Okay. Okay? That's when I started to uh, play. And I remember um, I started playing in 1974. My father and my mother, we lived in Bayside, Queens. We were, yeah, you know, we were going to a family picnic back then. I mean, who knew about ticks and all that? You just put the blanket on and sat. <laughs> I and uh, and I remember I saw a little baseball game you know, playing. I said, oh, that's pretty cool. So I wanted to learn. And I remember I got my interest into it. And then I was told in 1974 that girls weren't allowed to play. And I said, what? What? 1970? I said, mm-hmm. what? Women's liberation? Where's that all going? Women's right. rights, I right. guess, right? But there was a case in New Jersey by, um, by a girl by the name of Marie Pepe. Mm-hmm. She wanted to play in New Jersey, and she couldn't. And went to the New Jersey court, and they ruled, the Supreme Court ruled she could play. And then from there, that further liberated in a law passed, December 31st, by the way, 1974 by President Ford. It took a U.S. president to sign the law that girls can play. Mm-hmm. Not ridiculous? Totally ridiculous. Unfortunately, Marie Pepper couldn't play because by then she was too old because Little Against at 12. But I remember that case, and she and her picture is, this is her right here mm-hmm. from New Jersey, and that's another woman, Caroline King, I guess, played also. I don't remember that case, but I know she's getting credit, too, mm-hmm. up here. Okay. So, um, as you see the history, how there had to be court cases. Wow. Court cases. And the... the um, Girls got to play Little League, and you know what the argument was by the court? It was the 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment was passed to 
prohibit slavery to end slavery. Okay. They used uh, the Equal Rights Clause mm -hmm. to argue that girls have the right, equal right as men, boys, to play baseball. Wow. So it was based on that. Again, I didn't know that until now. <laughs> well, let me let me just share something with you yeah. really quick. Go I don't ahead. want to take too much of no, your go time. Ahead, go ahead. But fast forward in the 80s, I was going to high school, and they started to do co-ed gym classes. Oh, yes. I remember that. Okay. Well, we were supposed to play, I think it was flag football, co-ed. All of a sudden, they decided, oh, no, this is too rough. Too rough? So, yeah. Oh. But in the other... The other sport was um, field hockey. Tell me that's not too rough. But they said, oh no, this is too rough for the girls. So then they split us back up again and it wasn't co-ed no more. Now that was really illegal. It was supposed to start being co-ed. Equal rights clause. Right, in the 80s. So I just think it's interesting. So even in the 80s, even though you know it was just a gym class, they just they said, nope, we're not mixing it. And I, I did not like field hockey. So I kept playing the um, flag football until right. they forced me. Then they forced me to pay, play uh -huh. field hockey. They're like, nope, girls over here, boys over here. Hmm. But they weren't supposed to do that, you know? Um, so I think it's interesting. Oh, yeah. Even in the 80s, mm -hmm. they were still trying to do that. The boys, again, you know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was probably 1980. Two maybe, 83, I graduated in 85. Don't mind saying it, <laughs> high school. Um, so yeah, so probably around 82, 83, somewhere around there, I was either sophomore or junior. And so now, you know, you're just talking about all this history of baseball, I'm like, wow, even in the 80s, they were still like, they didn't wanna inter yeah. to mix it up. This is only flag football, I'm like, oh, that's too rough. But mm -hmm. Field hockey was worse. You got your shins beat up yeah. and everything else. So I just thought it was oh, interesting. I didn't anyway. get to play, but I remember softball. I do remember that. Mm. Oh, that was terrible. I, <laughs> I, I, I think we did just play girls and boys, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's like in the 1950s, the Board of Education in Brown, when they um, integrated the schools, there was still segregation in the, in the school. Mm -hmm. They couldn't be on sports or something like that. So it's just... People have really bad attitudes. Right. Yeah. You so know? even in the 80s, they were still going against the law. Yeah. Because that was the law, and that's why I they know. did it in the be to begin with. And then they were just like, no, we're not doing it. Just on their own. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Well, thank you for sharing that. I didn't yeah, know that. I just thought it was interesting. Like, it just shows you where, you know, I mean, I don't even know where we're at now in schools as far as, like, what are they making kids play and what are they, you I think know. it's equal. I think it's Co-ed. Well, my son should be co-ed. Public schools that they they play together. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't don't say know for the high what school. They're playing. Are they playing softball? Are they playing wiffle ball? Wiffle ball. Okay. Basketball yeah. running. Yeah, yeah. We did basketball. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Well, as a segue, let's talk about the 1990s mm -hmm. until now. Okay. Okay. So people asked uh, the question, "What happened in the 1990s?" I don't know if people know, but. Um, in the 1990s, let's see, I have a picture here or not, um, they formed a baseball team called the um, Colorado Silver Bullets that was managed by the Nico brothers, Phil mm -hmm. and Joe Nico. They were famous players of the uh, pitchers of the 70s and mm -hmm. 80s. And unfortunately, the women who did play were all softball players. Okay. And they didn't have any women who played baseball, which is pretty interesting. So that only lasted a few years. Again, it was a team that went around 
you know, from town to town kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that stopped. Yeah. And then what I learned recently is that we did have a woman who, uh, her name is Isla Bordas, who played in the Independent Baseball League. She played for the St. Louis Saints. Oh, wow. The owner is Bill Vec's son. Bill Vec owns Chicago White Sox. So his okay. son owned this team. And it was in the 90s, and she played as a pitcher. And she was paid hardly anything. Mm -hmm. You know, this was like minor league ball or whatever it was. The next step was whatever the next level were. Some didn't go on to professional baseball. But she was never offered a contact a contract, and she did face harassment. There were actually some managers that went, didn't want her to play and didn't want the team to play because mm -hmm. there was a woman on the team, which is totally ridiculous. Yep. It's like, wake up. And she wrote yeah. a book called Making My Pitch. And it was a very good book. I, I'm very glad I read it. And then 2011, now we're talking the modern era, Right. Justine Siegel, who's a website I told you about, www.baseballforall.org, she was um, the first woman who threw batting practice for the A's, Indians, Rays, Cardinals, Astros, and Mets. But she was not offered um, a contract. Mm -hmm. But she did, uh, before she was able to do to try out for the team, she did coach first base for the uh, Brockton Rocks, and she made a first female coach. She was the first female coach to work for men's professional baseball team. Wow. So I just learned about that recently, Ju mm. uh, Justine Siegel. that was Siegel. 2011. 2011, She was one of the wow. first women to actually get the chance to throw batting practice, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then prior to that, she um, made records play, uh, coaching a minor league team, Brockton Rocks, which is the part of that Canadian team where they used to have the Worcester uh, tornado. Okay. Yep. So, and then um, she was one of the first female to coach uh, baseball, and then um, she made history in 2015 when the Oakland A's announced it has hired her to serve as a guest instructor. Okay. So, um, that's what um, the women have gone far. Okay, so she's mm, right, one of the right. first to try out, and but not offered a contract, but mm -hmm. to coach a minor league and uh, team, because uh, it's independent leagues, and um, yeah, because uh, we, do we have we have no women on any of the big leagues, like not Red I, Sox, not I, you know I, what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know because um, she runs a, a nonprofit. What she was saying that she's involved with the baseball tournaments, promoting women and girls. They have baseball tournaments. Mm -hmm. When women's teams go around to play, yeah, um, they have a couple this summer. One in Rocks, uh, Rockford, Illinois, Rockford Beaches, yeah. and then one in New Jersey called the Maria Pepe Invitational. And surprisingly, our well, no, maybe I'm not surprised. Our counterparts in, the, in, in other countries, Japan, Korea, have baseball women, women's baseball teams. Right. That's Canada. what I'm saying. Like we, we never had a woman on the Red yeah. Sox. We've never, you know right. what I mean? It's, it's nothing I've ever. You know, I've never really even thought about it. It's like, that's kind of weird, you know what I mean? Like, football, too, you know? Yeah, but we do have a women's basketball team and, and yeah. ice hockey. We'll get there eventually. So and, weird, yeah. Never and up, really thought about it. And up to the Monera, we had Monet Davis, 12. She pitched three years ago in Little League Baseball through a shutout. Mm -hmm. So she also likes basketball, but she's still playing uh, senior league, which is now 60 feet to pitch as opposed to 46 inches to pitch. So she's now still pitching for the mm -hmm. senior league. Okay. So uh, moving right along, um, before I get into my book, I just wanted to say that five girls have pitched in the World Series. 18 girls have played in the Little League World Series as of 2015. Mm -hmm. No high school girls baseball team yet. 
Okay. There is one girl playing a high school team somewhere in the country, and a few have made the college team. Mm-hmm. Again, very far and very few. Very mm. far and few between. Wow. Okay. And I, the book that I got that information on was from General Ring's book called Game of Their Own. Okay. So, getting back to my book. Yes. Uh, Let's talk about your book and why did you write your book and, um, you know, maybe you want to read a passage from your book. Sure. You know. Um, well, I, like I was saying, 1974, I was told I couldn't play, and then 1975, I did play. And I was one of four girls. There were two girls in the minor league, which was nine and up, well, 10, 11, 12, and then we had the Texan League, eight and nine. My brother played that. Mm-hmm. And there was only two girls in the minor league and two in the Texan League. And I really thought when the law was passed, I was so naive as a 10-year-old city kid. I thought it would be easy. It wasn't. <laughs> I was harassed, I was Aww. jeered, I was booed, I was called names, told to go home, told to play with dolls. It was unbelievable. Wow. But because I was a city girl and the city had issues because of the social dynamics that were going on during the time of, of um, the social time, so to speak. We had to be tough to, to protect yourself. I was able to withstand that. I was resilient to that. I didn't let that all put me down. So you built a tough shell. I built, yeah, I built it. I, mm-hmm. I dealt with the shame and I dealt with the vulnerability by Good just for keep you. going. Good for you. Self determination because of the environment I was in as a city girl, where you had to know how to defend yourself against mm. um, extenuating circumstances. So that helped me get through it, mm-hmm. even now. And I got this trophy. Um, because I was a girl. It says, Bayside Little League, 1975, first place in our hearts. That's awesome. Because I was a girl. Congratulations. Yes. And like a lot of the women who did play a girl, people wondered if they were still female. I had that with me too. Am I still a girl? Am I still female? I'm like, yeah, right, I right, yeah. What's it have to do with it? And this is the picture the, of my first year. Aww. And then over here, second and third that I played. Yeah. And this is the myth that I used in my third year. My father coached the team. American made gloves, still, still in good shape 40 something years later. Wow. Played first base because I was tall. So I wrote this book right here based on my experience for one year. Mm-hmm. Um, some people said, well, why didn't you write about the last two years that you played? I said, well, because that would take away what the story was about. Mm. So I just wanted to read a passage, um, the introduction that says, my name is Robin Miller, and this is my story. I played baseball with boys from 1975 to 1977. However, this was not always possible. That's because girls were not allowed to play Little League Baseball until the late 1974. It took several court cases and a U.S. president to sign a new law before girls were allowed to play the game alongside boys. Prior to the signing of this law, girls and women either played in their own leagues or in the minor leagues with men. Sometimes women's baseball careers were cut short due to society's expectation what a woman was supposed to do in those days. Mm-hmm. I consider myself a pioneer because I rose to the challenge of becoming one of four girls who played Little League, base, uh, Little League Baseball in Bayside, Queens, New York, and the Boys League. I learned that being calm and collected built the self-confidence I needed to face the verbal abuse I received from the crowd and from fellow boy, uh, boy players in Little League. I also learned how outside influences, such as struggling in school and troubles with friends, resulted in poor performance, causing a setback in my baseball career. However, working hard toward a comeback is the sweetest accomplishment, 
it's a valuable lesson for any young person to learn during their formative years. When I tell my story to others, their facial expressions reflect utter disbelief at the meanness that was directed at me during this game. It was not just the kids. Adults played their part in trying to discourage me from my goal. That's amazing, Robin. Um, you know, what comes to mind when you read that, not just about baseball, it's, it's facing challenges mm -hmm. and, and really learning to stick up for yourself. You know, I hear the word bullying and things like that. Right, and I know I you've been an advocate mm -hmm. for it. Um, you, you've got to get that book in, in uh, schools, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And really um, get people to read it, you know, um, whether you do some sort of a talk about it mm -hmm. and, and tell people your story. So anyone out there, if you know somewhere that Robin can maybe do a, a talk about her book like she just did today, I think that book, it's way more than about baseball. You know, yeah, it, it really is. So, um, you know, give give her how how do we contact you is probably our next segment anyway. So <laughs> give your information okay. because I, I can really see you go into classrooms and, mm -hmm. and talking about this, that it really ties in with kids being bullied. And, and mm -hmm. it is time to stick up for yourself, especially, you know, there's transgender kids out there and there's all mm -hmm. this stuff that that goes on that people think they can't do something. And it, it's about baseball, but that and more. Well, yeah, because so, yeah. back in the day, in the 70s, um, like the women who played before me and girls, you had to just take it. Mm -hmm. You know, people were booing and jeering, and you just took it. Yeah, You had to have tough skin. And that's right. important today, because they say a lot of this generation of kids, they're not learning that. Mm. I got picked up. I mm -hmm. had, I was, um, very sickly child, because mm -hmm. as you know, I'm a health coach. I've been on the show several times. Yes, of I was a sickly child. I had asthma and allergies, and so gym class was just pure hell for me. There's just no other way to put it. <laughs> I couldn't run around, mm -hmm. and I couldn't do a lot. So I was always picked on because I couldn't do anything. You know, um, I would be like, "Please don't throw the ball to me. I don't want to run because I'd have an asthma attack." Did you have to take it up? You had to take it. I right? had to take it. You had to take it. Not, not like a marshmallow. It. Yep. If you melted us a marshmallow, they just picked on you more. Right. But kids today need to learn to have tough skin. Not to say they can't express their emotions. Right. We're not saying that, and I'm not saying you should be a bully. No, no. It's a it's it's learning how to defend yourself without melting like a marshmallow. Right. I mean, if you melt like a marshmallow, that's fine too. And do what, you know, whatever it is you enjoy doing. Never mind mm. what society tells you you can do. Right. And you know, and be that. Um, role model for for someone else yep you know and and you are you know um you know who's to say what society tells us what to do you know we are that's that's our problem we always conform to what society tells us what to do even with food yep constantly that's right. you know we grew up eating a certain types of food well we still stick to that it's like why can't you think outside the box and try something new right right so well, this anyway. book is on sale at Amazon.com or Pennant Publication. I have a Facebook page called uh, uh, Girls Dream to Play Little League Baseball. Oh, that's awesome. My email is uh, rmillichat at AOL.com. And I appreciate Paula Dettencourt, who's a holistic health food coach. Yes. For taking the time out of her busy day to come and, and interview me about this book. I really appreciate it. Well, I was happy to be here, Robin. Um, happy to do it for you. And like I said... 
I learned a lot today from this, and like I said, it feels like it's just so much more than just baseball. So I hope you get this book out there mm -hmm. to classrooms and to, and kids and let them realize it's more than just about baseball. Mm -hmm. That's only a piece of it. Yeah. Well, thank is, you. You're welcome. This has been another episode of Miller Chat. Good night. Thank you.